0: What's going on? This is your host, Juan Gray, and welcome to the Words to Success Show where I have raw conversations with the most incredible people and fascinating minds on the planet that help you get closer to your own version of personal success. On today's episode, I bring on Brett Knudsen, who is an entrepreneur, the creator of Hive, and of a few other companies across several industries. In this conversation, we talk about how he took his first steps as an entrepreneur, what he learned through the process of becoming a business owner, and how he uses his network to grow and build something big on a regular basis. He's also an expert on financing, on raising capital, on building something from nothing. So this and so much more, I hope you guys enjoy and take action on one thing that you learn because that can make all the difference. All
1: right, let's get right to it. Vamos. Vamos. Most people don't want to do what it takes because they don't have a big enough why so that's the that's the first step is like you need to have a why that's bigger than yourself that's bigger than money right so don't live for other people's expectations of you live a life that's true to yourself and true to what your strengths are and what your gifts are and what your curiosities and interests are if you can focus and not try and you know spin seven plates and drop all seven then you're going to find yourself very quickly rising to the the top of your industry Brett
0: Knutes, and welcome to the most badass on the planet. How do you do, my man?
1: Doing well. How are you?
0: Doing great, bro. Man, I'm excited to have you on. And uh, I I guess let's just get started with telling me a little bit how you get to, you know, being a successful entrepreneur, investor, speaker. Where did did Brett come from?
1: Uh, I came from a little township of about 600 people. So township is basically like the word that they use when you're not big enough to legally be considered anything important. So It came from a township of about 600 people. The nearest uh, gas station was about 20 miles away, and uh, my dad was a cop. My mom was a teacher, and uh, grew up kind of the cliche middle class, like lower middle class, middle class lifestyle. Going to a, a high school that was about 30 minutes out in Northfield, Minnesota, and uh, you know started started there, and I, I never ended up uh, really going to college. I went to about uh half of semester of community college and it wasn't for me. Uh school in general really wasn't for me. I kind of found out early on that you could cheat your way through the system and just barely pass. And I had some successful people, uh mentors of mine that I found that told me that my grades don't matter as much as my parents want me to believe that they did. <laughs> Which that was to my parents' dismay, of course. But yeah, I mean I, I just came from a really small town in Minnesota and uh, you know, humble beginnings.
0: And what were you doing back then? You know, were you did you have any early companies? A lot of people, when they're you know entrepreneurs, they they have a lot of stories, kind of starting up. What, who who you when you were in your I don't know sixteen year old Brett?
1: So as a kid, like I was always I trying to like hustle to make money, like with lemonade stands and with uh, I would buy like those rolls of admit one tickets. And even though I had a neighborhood that only had like twelve other houses in it. I was, you know, like I'd, I'd get like a little one, like a little kid pinball machine and I'd have like a video game console. And then like my friend would have an air hockey table. So we try and like pool them all together and make an arcade and like sell tickets. Like I was constantly trying to like hustle for, for stuff, but I never really knew that that was an entrepreneurial thing. Like my parents were very good at sheltering me from that because they wanted me to take the college route. They did not want me to start a business. Um, I literally was, I was so sheltered that my brain didn't even comprehend the fact that like somebody started target, right? Like the only thing that the only business that I ever thought of someone starting is like the local bakery, you know? Mm -hmm. And so for me being an entrepreneur, like that wasn't even in my vocabulary until I was an adult because it was so well sheltered from me. But I definitely showcased a lot of entrepreneurial behavior, um, even though my parents were constantly kind of trying to push me towards college and and uh you know getting like a kind of a more traditional route.
0: So what did you end up doing after college like when you found out you know this is not for me and you know there's another way that fits more with the person that I am right And, and I have a similar story.
1: So I started off originally um with a job like working at Target when I was 16 and I was a cashier. And, uh, I was working like 10 times harder than the cashier next to me who was stealing food for their lunch break and, you know, doing like literally trying to see how much they could get away with and still keep their job. But because she had been there a little bit longer than me, she was, she had seniority, which is total corporate BS and was getting paid more than I was, which I thought was ridiculous. So, uh, when the six month, you know, time came up and they reviewed my work to give me a raise, they offered me the largest raise that they had, which was 50 cents an hour or something. And so basically a short time after finding that out, I put in my two weeks and I left. And I kind of vowed that I I didn't know what I did want to do because I didn't know what options were available to me, but I knew that I never wanted to work another hourly wage job again. And so I kind of stumbled into sales like right after I turned 18. And what I loved about sales was I felt like I could earn a paycheck instead of collect a paycheck. And because I was earning more like what I felt like I was worth, and I knew that if I didn't get paid as much as I wanted to, it was basically my fault, um, I was able to really excel. And so throughout that process, um, I ended up dropping out of college because I was doing the math and it just didn't make any sense. It's like I'm sitting in a class uh, that's teaching me about chemistry, which has nothing to do with what I'm interested in and something that I, I don't see how chemistry has anything to do with the degree that I was considering getting. Um, So I'm sitting in a class, it's a waste of my time. I'm paying money to be here, which is a waste of my money. And I'm being told that if I graduate with a degree, if I even get a job in my field, I'm gonna make less than what I'm already making. So it just made no sense. And so I decided to uh, pursue um, sales because I still, like I said, I didn't really have a concept of like starting my own business until I ultimately ended up uh, getting approached by a mentor of mine who had had tremendous success in commercial real estate. So I remember like being in high school and he had two daughters who were a little bit older than me. And I remember they came to school one day and they each had an Escalade, like one white, one black. And I was like, what the heck? Like brand new Escalade. And uh, I was from a small town, like, you know, 600 people, but the high school I went to was in a town of about 17,000 and nobody even had an Escalade, much less a 16 year old and much less two 16 year olds. And so I just remember like that sat in the back of my mind. I was like, I-, I wonder what that guy does. After I graduated high school, I you know got into sales and I ended up kind of connecting with him. And he told me, you know, he had lost, he had sold his portfolio at the peak of the market. It was all commercial real estate, sold it for hundreds of millions of dollars, made a series of bad investments and wanted to get into uh, a direct, like the direct sales space. And he had heard about me and we got to know each other. And he basically asked if I could help him start that company. And so I was uh, like a sales director and I led like this huge team of sales reps for this direct sales company. And so unfortunately um, it was a very big and very expensive failure because he didn't want to listen to the people who were in that industry who had had success because he had had so much success of his own in another space. And and I learned very quickly that just because you um, are an expert in one industry, that, that doesn't mean that you know, you can just apply it to everything and that you should always be coachable and willing to learn and surround yourself with the people that know the industry that that you don't know or know uh, or who, who are experts in the areas that you're not an expert in. And so that company was a very big and expensive failure. I raised uh, a lot of money from friends and family for that business and lost everybody's money, lost a bunch of my own money. And so my first Attempt at starting a business was a very big, uh, very public failure, right? Especially since I involved, uh, the money of friends and family members of of mine. So most people, I think for most people, that's, you know, it's kind of like their one shot. I think that's where most people give up, you know? So it's like, okay, I had a very big public humiliating failure. And that was my first attempt at entrepreneurship. It must just not be for me. Right. And so... I didn't really give up on myself, but I just didn't really, you know, I wasn't going to proactively try and start a business just for the sake of starting one. So I started doing sales again and I got into like sales management, sales training and sales consulting and stuff. And I didn't get back into entrepreneurship until uh, 2013. So my mom is chronically disabled and she's got, uh, throughout the process of all the different disabilities that she has, she's lost her license and her ability to drive. And my parents got divorced when I was 14. And so because of that, she basically uh, just sits at home by herself all the time. She's you know completely by herself. My sister's sister in, was in uh, school and my brother was working already and, and out of school. And and I obviously was out of the house too. So it was literally just her. And I felt really bad for her. So I was trying to figure out a way to for her to like meet the people that were nearby that liked the same things as her so they could come pick her up and do something fun. And back in 2013, there was like literally any option that anybody could think of right now for how you could do that now did not exist back then. So I naively decided to create the solution for her and that's what ended up becoming Hive. So um, needless to say, I I decided to start the social network that would help people find friends based off of location and shared interests. And that led me to a journey where I moved to Silicon Valley and ended up raising millions of dollars from the co-founder of Electronic Arts or EA Games, as most people know of it as. And, uh, you know, ended up with hundreds of thousands of people using it and people making friends, people getting saved from suicide and all sorts of crazy stuff. And ended up pivoting the business later to like a B2B licensing play and, now I run a digital accelerator that helps other companies get to fundability, raise money, and scale.
0: Well, so yeah, there's a lot of interesting interesting pieces here. What would you say was the process of, of starting Hive, for example? I mean, obviously, it's a big process. So kind of break it down for entrepreneurs that are into tech or want to get into tech, have an idea, maybe have a, a problem or something that they really want to solve for, for someone like what you wanted to do. And what you did for, for your mom. I mean, I'm sure that's what, where it started, and then it evolved to you know to, to 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 other things. So, how what was the process like from idea stage to actually implementing and having you know having so many people on your app using it and getting value from it?
1: Yeah. So you definitely need to have a why that's bigger than yourself and bigger than money, right? And the reason why is because entrepreneurship is so challenging. That the problems and uh, circumstances that you're going to come up against are not going to be worth the the effort to kind of hurdle yourself over if it's just for money. Like there are easier ways to make money. And for me, I mean, I when I moved out to Silicon Valley to raise money for Hive, I gave up a six-figure income. I moved out, uh, moved out to the most expensive zip code in all of North America, and I slept on the floor of an illegally modified 1200 square foot house, uh, with 23 other people living in the same house. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, 1200 square feet, that's the size of like a two bedroom apartment. It was a very, very small house. They had, they had basically taken the garage and turned it into two bedrooms. They had taken the living room and turned it into a bedroom. And they, and so like we were all sharing one bathroom, one, uh, one kitchen and one fridge, 23 people. There were seven people living in one of these bedrooms, like a family with five kids in just one of the bedrooms in this 1200 square foot house. I couldn't afford a mattress. So I was sleeping on the floor um, because there were all these like earthquakes and stuff. The floor had eroded. Uh, Cause it was like a wood panel floor. And there was like, you could literally see, like I was sleeping on like dirt and wood and like bugs would crawl up through the, the floor. Like it was really disgusting. I lived there for over a year because that's like the sacrifice that I needed to make in order to raise money for my business. Because you, like a software company, I've started multiple other companies too um, that are less like well-known by the public, but in some ways were, you know, as much or more successful or at least more immediately successful. So like uh, I started a product-based business called Amare. We have uh, watches and other retail accessories and in, in retail stores across the country. That com- That company only took 10 grand to start. I started a service-based business called MetaPhone, and we did outsourced appointment scheduling for people in the medical space. So we were like a HIPAA compliant call center. I sold that back in March of last year, and we started that company for five thousand dollars, right? But Hive took Hive took a million dollars to build. So you can't save your way up to to doing that, right? So like I had to go out to Silicon Valley and raise money. And that was just the sacrifice that was necessary in order for me to get started. And most people, if you're just driven by money, most people would never stick that out. Like that was so grueling. I remember I had uh, a, about a dollar a day was my budget for food. And so I would, um, I would either get like a dollar menu item from McDonald's as my entire, like all of my food for the day. And sometimes I couldn't even afford the tax, which sounds really dramatic, but it's true. Um, And so one of the other things I would do is like, if I had, if I could save up the money, I would get a $5 cheese pizza from Little Caesars and I'd eat half the pizza one day, nothing the second day, the other half the third day and nothing the fourth day. So like, that's what my eating patterns look like for over a year. And I ended up losing like over 80 pounds as a result of that. And unfortunately, you know, coming back to where I'm from and, and having a loving grandma and a loving wife and stuff. Now I've like gained all that back, but I was very, very underweight. Like I was um, like almost passing out constantly. And like most people just like, most people don't want to do what it takes because they don't have a big enough why. So that's the, that's the first step is like, you need to have a why that's bigger than yourself. That's bigger than money. Um, for me, it started with helping my mom, but it's compounded over time. So now it's, you know, providing a great life for my wife and kids. And, uh, now it's, it's compounded again to, um, you know, helping, I want to help make a historical impact on the education system because I think that it's really broken and outdated and I know that I can't do it alone, but I know that if I want to have, you know, any significant impact on it, I need a lot of resources and a lot of influence. And so I reverse engineer everything that I do to help me get closer to that end goal for, for kind of my life legacy.
0: Right. That's awesome, man. Very cool. When you were, when you were living on that $1, $1 day budget, had you already seen money that you already have a successful company by then? Or did all that come after that?
1: So I had not had a successful company at that time. I just had like a high paying job before that. Yeah right? So like I was making about a hundred thousand um, a year before that as like a 21 year old, which like, that's a good income for a 21 year old. But um, I mean, I gave that up and I spent through all of my savings to the point where I remember I had two cents. Literally I saw I saw I kept seeing the number 0.02 mm-hmm. for the longest time in my bank account. And uh, there was a period of time during that stretch where I obviously couldn't afford food and I went eight days on a water only involuntary like involuntary water only fast so i had no food no snacks no juice no anything just water for eight days straight involuntarily because i couldn't afford to have anything else so you know i mean it's that was kind of the situation that i voluntarily put myself in in order to solve this problem that was important to me and uh which that's another point of it too. Is like it, you need to be starting a business to solve a problem, not just to make money too, right? So you need to solve an actual problem that people have.
0: Totally. And how do you feel your relationship with money changed over time, from there to to basically where it is right now? How have you changed, and how has your relationship with with finances changed as well?
1: Um, my relationship with money has been very very interesting. Uh, so I, I grew up with parents who were polar opposites. So I had a dad who, um, like never spent money ever, but made probably six figures a year, but like literally like he, I mean, he would buy a car and then literally run it into the ground. Um, so, I mean, he, he never, ever spent money. And then I had a mom who was never able to spend money, obviously while she was with my dad. And then when my parents got divorced, she kind of went ham. So she started spending money like crazy and almost immediately, like within a year and a half of the divorce went through fore- uh, foreclosure and bankruptcy because of her poor spending habits and still to this day has poor spending habits and doesn't have the, Im- the income to support it. So I kind of went all over the place. Like I grew up, um, with nothing because my dad wouldn't buy anything and my mom couldn't buy anything. And so when I first started making money, um, I was really like strict with it and I didn't spend it. I was very careful with it. Um, and then I ended up saving a bunch of money, which is what afforded me to be able to move out to Silicon Valley. But then after I made a bunch of money from, um, like my first successes with that, I was very foolish with money. And I think it was partly because who I was spending time around. So I went out and I bought an exotic car and I bought a Rolex and I bought like all this dumb stuff, um, probably partly for like social media and what other people like proving other people wrong, which is a horrible, horrible motivator. Um, so I was definitely partly like I was buying this stuff to impress people that I didn't even like, which is dumb. Um, and so I ended up losing, I went broke again, right from all my, I did what my mom did. So made a bunch of money and then went broke again. Um, making a bunch of really poor decisions. And then um, when I made money again, then I was a lot smarter with it. And, and, you know, now I have a healthy relationship with money. So I occasionally treat myself, but I don't go over the top. And I understand um, that, you know, whatever, whatever tool I'm currently using for income or whatever tools I'm currently using for income, uh, that income could change at any given time and so i'm always just very thankful for what i have and um do my best to be a good steward of it and and try to be more generous to others than i am to myself with my money
0: i want to take a quick second to thank our sponsor for today's episode bessie footwear they are literally the only everyday sneakers that you can actually wear every day they are super stylish 100 waterproof breathable, extremely comfortable. Oh, and they're even vegan. Honestly, when I found out about this brand, I knew I wanted to try them out. And after I did, I hit them up to work right away because after wearing them for months, I genuinely love the product and want to support so more people can actually enjoy the Vessi shoes as well. To check them out, you can go to VessiFootwear.com. That's V-E-S-S-I Footwear.com. And I can guarantee you won't regret it. Let's get back to the show. Vamos. Absolutely. Very nice. Well, on the subject of money, one thing that you're very good at is, is raising financing, right, for, for your company, for, for different projects. So can you tell me a little bit about that and what advice you have for people who are, have a company, maybe they have a couple employees or, or they're you know, very early on in their startup and need a little bit of finance to get themselves to, to that next level and really continue progressing? What would be your, your pieces of advice and how should they go about that?
1: Yeah, so um, I, I've uh, I've raised a lot of different money from a, through a lot of different methods for a lot of different types of businesses, and I've learned a lot through that process. And the most important thing that I've learned is that there's there's kind of an unspoken uh, term that I feel like I've almost coined, which is you need to be fundable, right? Like there's fundability as is an issue. So yeah. most people they come up with an idea for a business and they go, okay, I'm going to talk to VCs that is like mind-blowingly way off right so it's it's come up with an idea that solves a real problem and then you need to structure everything properly you you need to incorporate your business in the right state in the right way you need to have a pitch deck it needs to be structured the right way you need to be a compelling storyteller you need to have your elevator pitches as they say down you know like if, if you can if it takes you longer than 30 seconds to explain what you do then you don't clearly understand what you do well enough to be That's raising awesome. money Yep. Um, and certainly not well enough to be able to explain it to someone else. So it's just, it's getting to fundability, right? So it's everything from filing the right tax elections so that you don't end up, um, paying. Like if you say you raise money for a business and you fail to file the proper tax elections, you can end up owing uh tax and owing money to the IRS based off of the value of the equity of your business after you raise as though it's earned income. Like imagine raising a million dollars. For ten percent of your company, and you own the other ninety. So now that that ninety percent's worth nine million dollars, and the IRS says, okay, you owe us, you know, four and a half million in taxes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I don't have that. Like that's just the equity value of my business, right? So like, if you don't file the proper tax elections, you can be on hook for stuff like that. So fundability is a really important thing, and that's why I see a lot of value in accelerators and incubators, and why I created an accelerator is to just help people avoid a lot of the pain and a lot of the poor decisions and expensive choices that I made early on. But uh, fundability is important. And then from there, it's all a relationship game, right? So you can either pay money for relationships, you can build the relationships yourself, you can build them smart, uh, or you can build them stupid. And so you know, making sure that you're building relationships the right way, that you're adding value first, repeatedly, You know, you're not expecting anything in return when something's offered, when value is offered, uh in return to you, you recycle that value onto someone else in your network who can help so that you stay a high value person in your network and people kind of start to see you as like a plug or a go-to. Um and then on top of that, if you're if you ask people for money, all you're ever going to get is advice. Right. But if you ask people for advice, their wall, you know, as an investor, like their walls come down, they come alongside you and they they try and help, uh And that's when they really get to know you get to know your company and are a lot more likely to invest. So, um, my biggest tips is, you know, you have to be a fundable entity. So learn what, learn what, uh, is entailed with fundability. And then beyond that, it's just be a good relationship manager and a good uh, relationship builder, and you'll be able to succeed in raising capital. Nice.
0: What would you say is something that you're, you do on a daily basis or a kind of habit that nobody really knows about, but that's really helped you in your, in your journey so far?
1: Um, I mean, I, I would say it's primarily two things. It's how much, how much I learn. So, um, whether that's, you know, through audiobooks, video, uh, regular, you know, like reading of a book. Um, I learn a tremendous amount. Like I I certainly learn a lot more than I ever did in high school or college on a daily basis. Um, And then beyond that, it's relationships. Like relationships are, are so much more important than people realize. Not just who you're spending your time around, but your network and how you go about building your network. Are you a taker? Are you constantly looking at what you can get from people or are you constantly racking your brain on how you can add value, what introductions you can make from people inside your network um, to become someone of high value to the people that you know, right? So I'm I'm constantly managing the relationships that I already have and continuing to add value to them, and I'm also constantly learning. And then beyond that um, – I'm really good at uh, delegating and automating. And I think that that's important too. Like if you want to have a good lifestyle, you need to learn how to um, delegate, which means even if someone isn't as good as you are at something, which is the number one reason why people become micromanagers and and don't do a good job delegating. If they do 80% as good of a job as you, but it allows you to have 100% of your time freedom back in that area, it's worth it. Right? Right. Um, and then you know, automation, obviously, through whatever means necessary, whether it's people or software or whatever. So for me, it's just continually delegating and automating what I can so that I can spend more time on uh, building and growing relationships and learning.
0: Right. And how does someone systemize and automate, you know, their daily life to like getting started? What would be your, your piece of advice of how to actually start delegating little by little, like different things that you're doing?
1: so being being resourceful is super important right so um we're we're taught in the school system that we have today that you need to be taught how to learn and that is so far from the truth especially if you want to be successful as an entrepreneur so you need to learn how to learn again and learn how to be resourceful right so we have all of the world's resources available at our fingertips for free now with the internet and so learning how to use the internet to your advantage not just as a distraction or as a consumer but uh, as a resource for you to learn and for you to um, find tools many of which are free that you can use to systematize or automate uh, certain processes that you do on a daily basis and um, how you can you know outsource work to like you know i have virtual assistants and stuff that do work for me so just learning how to be smart with the with the tools that you're given and learning how to learn again is one thing and then the other the other way to know what to delegate and what to automate is to ask yourself you know what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses and instead of trying to become a jack of all trades master of none and become this well-rounded useless person um instead become someone who's really high value to society by focusing on making your strengths superhuman, right? And be becoming better than everybody else at what you're uh, already good at. And then you can always delegate your weaknesses to somebody else who is strong in those areas. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And for most people that just takes a lot of focus and we live in a society where, you know, focus is a rare commodity these days. And so if you can, if you can focus and not try and you know spin seven plates and drop all seven, then you're going to find yourself very quickly rising to the the top of your industry.
0: I like that you, what you said there. Focus is a rare commodity because it's it's so true, and it's something that people are constantly having having issue. For me, I, I think that it's it's one of the things that I hear most often having trouble to stay focused on one thing while also having clarity of what they're doing. You know. So what would you say from a focus standpoint, do you have any set of practices um, that you do on a daily basis that kind of help you stay focused or what kind of, what kind of mindset do you feel like someone has to learn to cultivate to just be like, fuck that. I'm just going to go straight on and I'm going to get this done until this gets done. And then I can move on to something else, you know?
1: Yeah. So one of the best exercises is just write down your top 20 goals that you have. So you write down your top 20 And then once you've written those down, circle your top three that are the most important to you. And the 17 that you didn't circle become your stay away at all costs list, right? So most people, they're just trying to like, every single time I've ever found myself struggling in life, it's when I'm trying to do too many things at once. And so if you focus on just three things at a time and everything else is literally a do not touch, do not focus on, do not think about, do not spend time on uh, list, then it really helps you hone in on those three things. Now here's the thing, those 17 uh, things that are the stay away from at all costs list, you can revisit those after you've achieved uh, like sustainable success in one of those three areas or two or three of those three areas. Right. And so for me, I have like a lifelong to-do list. And so I, uh, I cycle through those. Once I've created sustainable, automated, and delegated success in one area, then I move on to the next area in my list, right? So um, just as an example, for, the, for years now, I've known that I need to build a personal brand. And a personal brand has been on my list, but I've been focusing on creating value for the marketplace and building successful businesses and learning so that I can be a good leader. And now that I know that I can add value to other people, now I'm focusing on building my personal brand. Now I'm focusing on going on podcasts. Now I'm focusing on uh, taking up speaking engagements. And that was not a focus of mine at all. And I said no to every single uh, speaking opportunity and every single personal brand related opportunity. I never had anybody filming my stuff, nothing, until it became one of my three uh, you know, areas of focus. So it recently became an area of focus. And now, you know, you, everybody will see that my personal brand will grow tremendously over the course of the next year, because it's an area of focus. And as long as I'm focusing, I know that I can succeed in that area. Whereas before I used to try and do everything that everyone else was doing, plus everything that I was doing, you know, plus everything everyone else was telling me to do, like, that's so overwhelming. And so just make a list of 20 things, circle your top three and only do those top three. That's how, that's my best advice for how to focus.
0: And do you revisit that on a super constant basis? Is it something that you have like on a piece of paper, you're constantly looking over or how do you go about
1: that? So I have my goals and you can have multiple different goals inside of your top three areas of focus. Right. Right, so it's different than a, a list of goals. So, like, I look at my list of goals every single day, but my areas of focus, since there's only three of them, I know what they are, and my goals are based off of those three things. Now, once I achieve success in one of those areas, or I exit, or I remove myself from one of those areas, or I've achieved whatever I wanted to achieve, or I failed, whatever it is, once I'm done with one of those areas, then I go back to that list and I figure out which one I want to add into, or which one's next on my on my list to add into my top three.
0: Would you consider yourself a, a spiritual person, bro?
1: Yes. Um, so, I, I I feel kind of like I've had an unfair, um, I guess you could say unfair advantage in life when it comes to my relationship with with God because I had I had an experience that I think a lot of people um, haven't had. So when I was when I graduated shortly after I graduated high school, I was in a really bad car accident. Um, I was going about 80 miles an hour and I rolled 11 times and I, uh, was airlifted to the hospital and died on the way there and, um, was in a coma for a while. And just throughout that entire process, I experienced things that I can't explain. And, um, I, I was raised a Christian and, uh, but I, I had kind of fallen away from that independently before the the car accident and throughout that and uh, just getting to have my own relationship um, it, it's it's changed me pretty dramatically so um, I 100% uh, am a person of faith and I believe that everything that I have in my life has been uh, given to me it's a gift from God every single day that I get to live and I'm very grateful for um, you know what he's entrusted me with. And I try to do my best to be a good steward of, of everything that I have.
0: Wow. And, and was there something, was there something in particular like a certain thought that you remember having like after or during that experience that you revisit today that you feel like would fuel you and fuels you to, to go like so hard because you've experienced experienced what that is to you know, be almost gone.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just, I know, um, You know, I I know that I have a purpose here and that I'm still alive for a reason. And that is a huge driver for me. Um, I also know now that I can overcome things, you know, like with God's help, of course, but I can overcome things that doctors say is impossible. I was not supposed to be able to walk again. And, you know, I can run. I was not supposed to be able to uh, be able to read again. And I read every single day. Like I was not supposed to be able to do a lot of things again. And. To this day, there's very little that I can't do. Um, that you know, the car accident has played a factor in. And even though you know I, I broke a lot of bones and I had a lot of brain damage, I've managed to, thanks to the miracle of neuroplasticity, like the areas of my brain that no longer work are compensated by the areas that do. And it's been a, a pretty incredible um, experience for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Man, I, well, thanks, thanks a lot for, for sharing that. And, um, yeah, man, mean, I think what we'll, we'll do is we'll, we'll start wrapping up. But before I do that, I, I wanted to ask you one last question. And that's if right now I'm speaking with you and I give you a, a piece of paper and on that piece of paper you had to write down, you know, for all the knowledge and everything that you, and all the experiences that you had so far in your life, and you would have to write on that piece of paper what's the most important thing that you've learned that you would want to pass on to someone that you really love, maybe a son a daughter. Um, And that's going to be something that's going to be guiding them along the way that they can revisit and take out of the pocket every single day. And it's the note that you gave them. That's the last thing they hear of you. Like what would you write on that piece of paper and what would be your words of success?
1: Like, I mean, if I was speaking to my kids, it'd just be, you know, you're loved and there's greatness within you. Um, don't listen to what society tells you to do. Um, and don't live for other people, right? So don't live for other people's expectations of you live a life that's true to yourself and true to what your strengths are and what your gifts are and what your curiosities and interests are. And, um, I would say those that think govern those that labor, you know, if all you do is hard work, all you'll get is hard work. And so, um, You know, think about how you can impact the world in a meaningful way uh, and solve real problems and help as many people as you can and live a life that's selfless.
0: I love that. When you said um, you have greatness within, what does that mean exactly for you?
1: I don't think that, like, I, I don't think that entrepreneurs are. Born, I think that they're made, and I do truly believe that the the biggest uh, change agents in the world and the biggest uh, and most impactful people in the world are entrepreneurs. And so, um, as an entrepreneur, I think that a lot of people think that you know, oh, I, I was born this way, and and the reality is, and for anybody who knows me, I mean, James, who's sitting here with me, has known me my entire life. We're we're cousins, and. He's watched my entire uh, life unfold and, and how much intentional change has been made in my life. I came up from being a, a very ruthlessly bullied, super shy, introverted kid in elementary and middle school to developing intentionally good communication skills, good sales skills, good people skills, good uh, like high levels of charisma uh, dude, I mean, speaking from stage, that is so completely against my quote-unquote nature. But I have intentionally developed all of these skills in me, and I firmly believe that all entrepreneurs and people that want to make a difference in the world are made and not born. And so, if you if you have a why that is much bigger than you and much bigger than money, there's nothing that you can't do. And uh, that's you know what I try and instill in my kids, and what I would want everybody else to know that there's nothing special about me, seriously. And, uh, and there doesn't need to be anything special about anybody else. Like we all have our inherent strengths. And it's just a matter of focus, focusing on those strengths, being, uh, being persistent and persevering through the challenges because you have a big enough why and being resourceful enough to find the answers that you need in order to succeed.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Beth, thank you so much for for uh coming on and and sharing what you what you shared I, I respect and appreciate you man thank you thanks for having me pleasure bro all right i hope you guys enjoyed the conversation i had with brett Knutson. if you want to learn more about brett you can go to words 2 success.com under episodes and then you can find all his links there Guys, I appreciate you. Thank you to everyone who is sharing online, on social media, taking screenshots on Spotify, of iTunes. And now what we're going to do is if you guys take a screenshot of anything like that, put it on your stories, tag us, and we're going to repost you and give you a free shout-out. All right? Thank you for supporting it, letting your friends know we're about to get this 10 times bigger. Keep on building it. And uh, keep sending us a list of who you guys want on the Words to Success show, and we make that happen. All right? Thank you so much for being you. Keep grinding. Keep hustling. Keep working on yourself. Keep spreading peace and love. And I'll see you on the next episode, baby. Vamos. Vamos.